It's Sunday, June 11th, 2017. It's episode 194 of the Hotbox. I'm Matt Lee. Joining me today, I got Brian Eisenberg of Eisenetics. Going to talk to us about some interesting data findings and his new consulting gig. Uh, how you doing, Brian? Oh, I'm doing very well, thanks. Good to have you, man. I've been We've been trying to get together here for a while now and uh, get a podcast going. I'm glad we finally had a, a schedule... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As you know, this industry kind of ebbs and flows and uh, opportunity presents itself. So I'm definitely happy to uh, shed some light on, uh, you know, what I've been doing, what I'm up to, what the uh, what the data is saying. For sure. So most people uh, that listen or follow me, they they're familiar with like the uh, I-502 data site where each month they kind of show you just like the uh, tax numbers and stuff like that. But what you found is something a little more interesting, I think. Well, sure. There, you know, 502 data is great to get a high-level snapshot of the industry. Um, they're basically pulling the the data from the uh, the monthly database uh, drops. So the state makes uh, basically a snapshot of the entire traceability database available through public records request. Um, so what 502 data is doing is basically downloading that, they, and they have a, a series of software packages to uh, to make you know, all the charts and graphs and all that available, which is great. The state also, LCB has their own dashboard. Um, there's a couple other sites. I think one's called Top Shelf Data. Uh, again, that one actually, I believe, provides even more like detailed drill down into like strains and selling and what, trends are and that kind of stuff so all that data is is there inside the database um what i found is these sites don't go um to the level of depth that for the stuff that i am looking for you know again being you know in the industry uh working in a number of different projects farms processors what have you um i wanted to dig a little deeper and I happen to have a background in, in software and database stuff. So for me, sending a records request, getting that database, and then um, writing queries directly against it um, has been revealing in some of the areas that I've uh, I've looked into. And for people that don't know, this data is publicly available, like you said. It's just a matter of getting something meaningful out of that data because it's just a glob, right? It's a SQL database that just has a ton of just raw data in there. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's about a 30 gigabyte file and there's, I don't know, 15, 20 different tables that, you know, ultimately those are what the Biotrack schema represents. So the entire Biotrack system is built, you know, to store and retrieve data from that database. So is there, so that, is that, there... That, that system essentially contains every single piece of information about every single plant, clone, source of genetics all the way through till the time that a clone or child of that genetic um, goes through and ultimately is sold through a retail outlet. So everything wow. in between, um, the data all exists. That's that's so interesting. Is there APIs to get into like real time or is this just like a snapshot that's always a month behind uh, kind of thing? Right. So, so getting back to your question, so the um, the monthly data shots are, are exactly that. They're a snapshot. If you want to get 
um, real-time access, you need to submit a request with the LCB to um, get access to their API, and you have to explain what you're doing. And, and they typically, what I've heard is it's um, it's harder for John Key Public to get that, but if you have a license, it's pretty easy. Um, get One thing I wanted to mention about the public records, you have to be a Washington State resident to be able to submit that public records request. Um, ah. As far as what you do with that data, as long as you're not like using it to like market mass mail, everybody's that's in there, or use it for any kind of large scale commercial operation, um, I think you're free to to use it as you as you wish. And we know the the conference circuit. That's where all the mass marketing emails come from, not the data side. <laughs> right. <laughs> Oh, exactly. so many emails for things to put my weed in. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So that's cool. Uh, and you're starting or you started a consulting firm around this data or just, I mean, it's more around your knowledge and the data yeah. and everything, basically. Yeah, well, I mean, I've been involved in 502 since its inception um, in one way, shape, or form. Uh, I've done everything from joining a small processing um, organization, helping build out their lab, then went and helped uh, raise some capital and worked on the design um, and implementation of another lab, and then worked at uh, precision extraction, running technical operations. So I've kind of been in the extraction area, the processing side of it, but uh, I also do a lot of and other things, obviously, with the data mining and uh, you know, and other kind of industry-specific experience I have. And I um, had the opportunity to kind of branch out and go independent. Isonetics is something I created a few years back and is kind of a loosely coupled, you know, consulting business. Um, that right now is kind of where I'm loosely uh, organizing all the work that I'm doing. So I do some, some custom uh, kind of one-off consulting gigs for clients that are interested in pulling, you know, specific things out of that data set, uh, but also doing anything from just, you know, leveraging my network and experience um, in the industry to help other like-minded folks that are just trying to uh, to to get by and, and make it. That's really cool, man. And there there is a lot, uh, in, in my experience in the industry, they, there's a lot of individuals that they know like what they know as far as growing or extracting, but any of the other things that go around it that you need now to become a legit business, like they're completely lost. And we've seen a lot of these kind of little consulting firms popping up that they don't really do anything like special, but they're the hub that connects all of these other pieces. You're your engineer and your electrician and and all of those parts that go together to get this you know permit submitted and get your licenses and everything it's kind of a big paperwork mess yeah well and that's exactly where i think my uh value to the industry can really be leveraged is you know i come from the enterprise software space having worked 15 years um doing projects with large you know fortune 500 global 2000 corporations and yeah when i came to 502 it's like wow a lot of the assumptions that you make um with respect to traditional business uh in 502 um just you run the entire spectrum you get folks that that know how to run a business but have no idea about the industry and you have people that know the industry have no idea how to run a business um so that's where i kind of partnered up with a long time 
friend of mine um, uh, from Seattle, and we actually worked together on the uh, the project down at Tacoma where we raised capital and kind of turned around a, a, a failing tier two. Um, so Miles and I basically kind of saw this opportunity and, and realized that, wow, the, the skills that we bring to the table, not only do I have the industry experience, he has, you know, kind of a background in Wall Street finance and also in, in taking companies that are kind of um, going down and, and either turning them around or, or liquidating them. So we started to uh, to kind of take a look at, you know, 502, the current state of affairs and realize that there, you know, there are a lot of people out there struggling. Um, so why not try to uh, formulate uh, a model to um, to get into uh, into 502 somehow, uh, but also to be able to kind of ramp up a consulting business around just that. So Miles has a, a 502 license, uh, pro- produced processor. Um, we're loosely kind of working with a number of other, uh, you know, farms, processors, whatnot, uh, to help them on some of the things that uh, are, are a lot more, you know, capital intensive, things like packaging, labeling, distribution, establishing retail sales channels, all of that kind of stuff. Um, that Those types of expenses, getting back to your original question, a lot of the people that got in from the industry side um, didn't realize how much extra, you know, money they were going to have to spend to buy, you know, labeling and packaging machines or just to hire an army of people to, to, you know, to gram out, you know, pound after pound after pound or pre-roll after pre-roll. Um, so that type of service is something that we now basically are, are able to bring to the table, um, not only kind of the line of business side, but also to offer, um, brokering and sourcing and um, selling of material. And that's that's kind of where my new role um, has come into play. So I officially work for a 502. I can legally um, buy and sell and broker uh, lots of, uh, of weed within, uh, within the industry. So that's, for me, that's a whole new kind of realm that I haven't done yet, but I'm pretty stoked on and the few uh, folks that I've uh, linked up with so far um, seem to be pretty interested and, and appreciative of kind of the, the win-win mentality that, that we're really trying to bring to the table. That's awesome. So you can look at a, a business and basically take a bunch of data sets and kind of point out efficiency issues or just things that can help them, you know, turn it around, like you were saying. And if, if there isn't a way to turn it around, then you, you obviously would, would liquidate it. Um, before we get into like this, some of the interesting data stuff you found, did you ever think like you would see the time where you could broker deals of weed, like legally? I just, I'm a big nerd when it comes to that. And I think that's so awesome that we're getting to that point. Yeah, I mean, you know, just kind of, I had the aha moment like a week or two ago when, uh, you know, as a, as a young teenager, I, I, I dabbled uh, in the industry um, and, you know, dime bags a dozen uh, to, to selling, you know, 1,500 pound lots. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, well, eh, 20 years ago, if you asked me if I'd be pulling a legal paycheck, um, selling and working uh, you know, in the weed industry, I would have said no way. Uh, but now I, you know, it's, I didn't even think twice about the fact that I just, you know, I'm, I'm helping manage the wholesale retail outlets for, you know, hundreds, thousands of pounds of weed. You know, the, the scale of that is 
somewhat hard to comprehend unless you've actually seen a warehouse or a room without much product sitting there. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, just imagine U-Haul after U-Haul after U-Haul after U-Haul. <laughs> it's, it's yeah. Definitely... I mean, I, you know, I've seen shipping containers that are just jam filled. It's epic with product. Yep. So much product out there, and with all of that product, there's there's issues here and there. Certain pesticides, certain uh, molds, and, and PM stuff like that. And some of that data is also in in these data sets. I know uh, you can't get too too far into it, but tell us uh, what you can about uh, what you found there. Well, so it's it's interesting um, how and what this state stores in you know what what i get access to which are you know there's tables for the microbial screening for the solvent screening um and for the foreign matter um so those three tables i basically can go and and find you know pretty quickly all of the failed lots um and i you know i've kind of looked at that i forget how many there are um you know definitely you know tens of thousands of records but that doesn't necessarily say much so you know because how in the scheme of uh you know percentage wise well what percentage of those uh are you know are from a single farm and how many uh failed lots per you know or whatever it is so it's kind of just taking those results by themselves um you know not terribly you know informative um what i'm kind of trying to figure out is for all for the state allows you to take any any lots that have failed um their initial set of tests and convert that lot into another product what that essentially means is you can take a failed lot run it through an extraction process or whatever else distillation whatever you choose to do and at the end of that take that refined product and get it retested and as long as it passes you can bring it to market and i think that's where my curiosity is um is most peaked in i want to know who's doing that well that's interesting because not all extraction methods will remove all foreign bodies or molds mostly will come out but your your pesticides for the most part will not i just yeah i think that's a whole area that not enough research has been done and i've talked to a few extractors that also have like biochemistry experience people from the industry who yeah they basically say sure extraction going through a, a either co2 or a hydrocarbon or even a distillation or ethanol based extraction process will effectively you know pasteurize whatever it is so you're going to kill any kind of living bacteria mold fungi whatever right but that's not going to necessarily remove any kind of cytotoxin or concentrated pesticide residue or anything like that um what I'm not clear on is whether the extracts that are made from, well, from any lot have to go through a secondary microbial screening. I, I just, I, I don't know if that is a mandate or not, whether it's just the residual solvent uh, at that point. So regardless, I, you know, I don't know that they test for residual pesticides in any kind of concentrates. So the, 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 and unless they do that, 
there's really no way to tell what's happening through the extraction process when you're using even approved pesticides. I just, I just don't know. I don't, and I don't know of any research that really exists. Yeah. And I mean, it hasn't been legal to do the research up until just recently, you know, just in the last few yeah. years. And, and even that, there's still a limit uh, as far as how far that can go. And, right. and, you know, you get to the whole peer review thing and, and accreditation and all that. It's still kind of a gray area. The Cannabis University isn't handing out accreditations yet? <laughs> <laughs> well, Damn. I want to see the day. Sir. I know, right? That's really interesting, though. That And it's more so just that it, it's kind of like an open source thing in a way that, like, all this information is just hanging out there waiting well, for yeah, someone so, to come look at it. So I can look at failed lots, uh, but, you know, unfortunately, it takes some pretty sophisticated queries to tie back a lot that failed, A, to the original plant or batch that it came from, but then also then tracing that back down the chain um, to figure out if that lot has actually gone through and been processed. There's there's a bunch of IDs that you have to kind of trace back. I haven't gotten that far with uh, with some of the work I've been doing yet to to easily I, I've done it manually, just kind of traced, okay, here's a failed lot, here's the ID, here's the parent ID, okay, let's go look up. And then I started to go down, okay, well, did this lot get extracted into whatever uh, I just haven't traced that that all the way back there. It, it just gets so convoluted because of the different. It, it uh, gets turned into lots as it gets it, extracted, or how is how is it? Well, it's a it's convoluted because it's biotrack and sure. their base design is really poor. So you have to to write queries where in normal database world you wouldn't have to write them this way. Uh, but then there's also just the yeah, how how lots are converted and sublotted and all of that. I mean, you're you're basically tracking parent-child relationships, and then are they being destroyed? So all of that stuff is is an area that I just you know I do this stuff in my spare time on yeah. the data side, so I just haven't gotten to it. For sure, it, it'll be interesting to see the more this gets developed, and are they are switching to a, a different platform? Are are they? They are indeed um, still actively uh, a pretty big question mark, and I would say concern for folks in the industry. Uh, the first vendor that they selected, uh, Metric, uh, which is uh, from a company named Franwell, which is used in Colorado and Alaska and I believe Oregon as well, perhaps Nevada, several states. Um I looked at it. It looks like a you know, fairly non-robust solution. They had um, a heavy reliance on RFID tags, which uh, resulted ultimately in them pulling their uh, their bid for the contract uh, because the state had some verbiage apparently in the uh, the RFP request for proposal, which all the vendors had to fill out, which said you have to allow barcode, other types of identification in addition to RFID, and apparently their system couldn't do that. So they pulled. <laughs> this is last week. Damn. And then the second vendor now fell into first place, which is MJ Freeway, another third-party um, kind of full end-to-end software package 
uh, also in use in multiple states. I believe they uh, potentially already interoperate with BioTrack, um, but I've also gotten some feedback from folks in Colorado and elsewhere that have used it, that it's, uh, it's no better, it's equally as complicated. And then somebody pointed me to the fact that Back in January, their system was hacked and a security breach happened and not sure exactly what data was put out there, but that certainly doesn't give me a, a whole lot of confidence. No, so, definitely not. So I, I don't know where it's going. I'm I'm actually getting a demo of MJ Freeway uh, this coming week, and I'll certainly blog and, and, and post about it. Um, because this is important stuff. The other kind of crazy thing is the state has a mandate to get this done by October, which uh, the product manager and software um, guy in me says there's no way in hell a, a large-scale government project with third-party software vendor and an army of consultants is ever going to do that in four-month time period. No. There's no way that can happen. I've worked on government projects like this. And this is what you would call a rip and replace project. So, uh, it's, you know, also an area where I'm trying to dig in more. Hey, if, if LCB wants to, to take some, some of my advice, I'm more than happy to, to offer it. I just want to see the system improve and people, um, not have to spend so much time, effort, and money just to, uh, to comply with it. It seems like if you would have tried to do this 10 years ago, you know, 15 years ago, <clears throat> I can understand having all of these issues. But, like, we have awesome technology. We should be able to find a team of people, a small team of people, preferably, to just code this up that know the industry, that know what it needs to be and know how it needs to scale and just, like, get it done. I'm curious how frustrated you have to get personally with it before you just say, fuck it, and do it yourself. Well, I mean, that's why, you know, all these third-party vendors exist. WeTracker, GreenBits, uh, all the others have basically sprung up a cottage industry around the fact that Biotrack sucks. Right, but they're so, trying to do it to make uh, that money, right? No one's doing it to make an actual usable, awesome, secure, stable product. Well, they're all trying to, and they're all, uh, you know. But uh, I, I certainly haven't heard anybody say, "Oh, you got to go to this because they do everything and they do it awesome." Um, ever, you know, and, and to your point. Yeah, I mean, it'd be cool to, to get a team of developers and, and go to the state and say, hey, we can, we can, you know, we can knock this out. Here, here's our, here's our plan. But, you know, nobody did that. Yeah, I heard Microsoft, um, proposed, uh, an Azure base. I mean, it, it would seem that, uh, the likes of Amazon, Microsoft, you know, all these big, uh, companies that are, you know, that have a giant presence in our state would want to step up Salesforce, I guess was one of the other ones um, yeah. that came in. And, you know, again, in my experience, I don't know who's doing the, the vendor vetting and selection at LCB, but um, I, I would question the criteria they're using to, to decide uh, and pick and wonder if that's not purely technology decision and maybe politically motivated. Right. That would make more sense I don't to me. I'm not claiming anything, but it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, definitely. 
Well, cool, man. I don't want to take up too much more of your time. Where can people find your blog at and uh, your Instagram, stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So, eisenetics.com. Uh, it's E-I-S-E-N-E-T-I-C-S. Uh, that's also my Instagram handle. And, uh, yeah, feel free to hit me up. Definitely uh, always looking for new clients and uh, always looking to network and meet new folks that are uh, like-minded here trying to get by in this crazy industry. Very cool. And that's you're solely in Washington, or do you have plans to branch out into Oregon also once you get Washington all sorted? <laughs> uh, well, we, you know, we, we definitely, Miles and I have a presence in Oregon, Colorado, and uh, are working with folks even down in California and other kind of upcoming markets. So, um, yeah, have a bit of experience on the compliance side down in Oregon, and uh, certainly, you know, our geographic locale doesn't necessarily restrict uh, what we could do. Um, obviously, you know, I work from uh, from a very remote area <laughs> and uh, I'm able to uh, to do just about everything, but also willing to do on-site type stuff as well. Very cool. Hell yeah. Well, thanks for the time, man. That's fantastic information. We'll definitely be sure to keep up and see uh, how this all develops. I mean, it's so new and there's there's just so much happening with it. it it's a constant source. Yep, yep. No, absolutely. And, uh, you know, as, as things continue to evolve and break, um, I will certainly come back to you and uh, be happy to uh, keep folks up to date on what's, uh, what's happening. Fantastic. Brian Eisenberg, thank you very much, man. All right. Take care, buddy. We'll right. talk to you soon. Bye. Be sure to follow Brian Eisenberg online, Instagram.com slash Eisenetics underscore and at Eisenetics.com. You can find all my stuff at hotbox.earth, stuffstonerslike.com, and instagram.com slash thejamhole.